Hello, Second Cup listeners. Welcome back to the Joshua Year podcast series, Fear, Freedom, and What Happens in Between. You're joining us for Chapter 2, What God Asks of Us. For those of you who are just finding us, last week we read Chapter 1, Burning Bushes. We talked about how God set a plan into motion to free his people, the Israelites, from slavery in Egypt, and how it all began with a burning bush moment. When God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush, two important things happened. First, God acknowledged that he had seen, heard, and known the suffering of his people and that he wanted and would set them free. Second, Moses had to dig deep in response, and I mean deep, to find the courage to trust God and agree to take part in the plan he had for leading his people to freedom. So as we get underway with chapter two, let's think, how does this story of Moses and God apply to us? So just like God saw, heard, and knew the Israelites suffering, he intimately understands ours too, and he wants us to be free. Each of our journeys must also start with a similar burning bush moment, a time when we listen for God's voice and agree to trust him enough to follow him out of our suffering, even if it means a journey through the wilderness, and it likely will. See, we have to want to be saved. We have to trust that what he's asking of us is part of his plan and take some steps toward obedience, even if they're wobbly. Are you wondering how to have a burning bush moment? I I think that sometimes we make interacting with God more complex than it needs to be. Like I mentioned in the last episode, we don't need to wait for our shrubs to spontaneously combust. Let's just think of our burning bush moment as talking to God about our suffering and listening for his voice to see what he might ask of us next, just what our next step will be. It's going to look different for all of us. But here's what our conversation could sound like. And if you like, you can pray it along with me right now, pausing the podcast as you listen for God's voice. Or you can also find the outline of this guided prayer in the notes section of the podcast. So let's get started. You might say something like this. God Thank you for being a God who sees, hears, and knows about our suffering. Thank you for knowing and loving me. Today, I'm struggling with so many worries and fears. I know that you see how it's affecting my heart, my mind, my physical health, my relationships, and my peace. I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to trust you more and be able to live my days free of this prison that my mind is in. I believe that with you, this is possible. Would you rescue me, God, from this cycle of anxiety that I'm in? Now, wait to hear what God says. Just be silent and still. You might not hear audible words, but can you feel what he's saying? Sometimes it's more of a wisp floating through your consciousness. Something that you've not heard before and you know isn't coming from yourself because it doesn't sound like your usual inner dialogue. Or sometimes it's more of an impression on your heart, 
like God is stamping his words there. Stay here, and in a moment, feel free to just pause and listen for God as long as you like. When you're ready, move on to this next question for God. God, what do you ask of me in all this? Please speak to me in a way that I can hear and understand, and please give me enough courage to trust and obey you. Again, listen, a couple notes on discerning God's voice. If and when you hear something, consider writing it down. Later, you might question and wonder whether God really said that. Side note, that's Satan's favorite way to play with our minds. It's the very thing he asked Eve in the garden. Did God really say not to eat the apple? It's like his OG lie. It's helpful to save what God spoke to us in a whisper in writing. That way we can go back and be assured that what we heard, we heard. If you're still not sure if it was God's voice that you heard, ask yourself, does it align with what God says in the Bible? And does it align with God's character? If you're new in your faith, be encouraged. The more that you read your Bible, the more you'll know God's character. The more you know God's character, the more you'll be able to hear and discern his voice. As Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. There's no better time than now to start listening for his voice and savoring the fact that he does know you because it's him you're going to need to follow on your way toward freedom and you'll want to stick close to his side. Brace yourself. God asked Moses to do something he desperately did not want to do there in that burning bush moment. Moses even said, please, Lord, send someone else. The fact of the matter is making change and breaking cycles is vulnerable, uncomfortable, and sometimes outright painful work. The Bible is rife with examples of this. Spoiler alert, the Israelites don't get out of Egypt without a struggle. But on the other side, the promised land. Or think of Jesus. He experienced an agonizing death on the cross. But on the other side, resurrection for him and for all of us who believe in him too. Worth it. Liberation does not come without a struggle. Yours won't. Mine doesn't. None of ours does, because as we're reminded in Ephesians 6.12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's a very real force in our world that does not want us to be free, but we serve a very real God who is bigger than that force and who will walk us through the struggle and get us out on the other side. My own burning bush moment occurred in the middle of a cloudy November day. I was sitting at home and tending to my own little flock of worries when God spoke to me. It was more like a wisp passing through my heart than an audible voice, like we talked about just now. This is what I heard. I see you there, Deidre, all heavy with fear. Seems like you can't do anything without anxiety going with you. I lowered my head. Surely it was true. I'm going to rescue you. 
we're getting out of here and I'm going to bring you someplace where you're free. But how, God? I asked. I want you to start by writing a poem every day for a year. I will do the rest. I had this distinct feeling suddenly of being on the cusp of something, like how it feels to go to sleep in your own bed the night before a big trip. Adrenaline started to rush over my brain, then doubt. But Lord, I said, why poems? I don't get what good that will do. What will I write about? I don't have any good ideas. I've been trying to write something meaningful for years. Our house was littered with half-written stories and barely open journals, all reminders of my failure to ever complete a project. I'd often felt perplexed by my relationship with writing. I'd wanted to write. I'd longed for it even, but I could never stick with it. How often I would pick up a notebook intending to fill it and then leave all but the first page untouched. Maybe this sounds familiar to some of you too. I was tormented by the ideas I couldn't tap. They were like a growling stomach that I couldn't feed or an eye that would not stop twitching. When I was not writing, I felt frustrated. And when I was, I felt hopeless. In other words, I felt as ill-equipped to write as Moses did to speak. I didn't understand what poetry had to do with anything. I didn't know why God was asking me to do something he knew I was a repeat failure at. And I didn't see any straight line between this moment and my supposed liberation from fear. But God answered me much like he answered Moses, with the assurance that he would provide a way. If I put on your heart to write, Deidre, will I not also give you the words for your poems? I walked away from that conversation much like I imagine Moses did from the burning bush. Relatively dubious and totally befuddled. And yet with a little twinge of exhilaration that comes after a brush with the Almighty. I sensed that something big was underfoot, that liberation was at hand. I didn't know it then, but God was getting ready to lead me through a series of territories in my own wilderness. Those territories were different areas of my heart, mind, and soul that were, as of that moment, incarcerated by fear. As God led the Israelites out of Egypt and through the wilderness, he came through for them in many mighty ways. He instructed them to commemorate those moments with festivals so that every generation would know and remember his power and glory. Well, the poems that he was instructing me to write, they would become kind of like those festivals. Ways to document and reflect on how God was giving me passage through each difficult territory of fear something that later I could look back on and share with others. And now I know to share with you. See, God is so, so cool and so intentional. So, second cup listeners, fear is multi-layered. It tends to leave its thumbprints everywhere. So starting next week, we'll begin to venture into the wilderness with God and navigate different territories of ourselves that have become consumed with fear and explore the ways that God can walk us through and out of them. I hope that you'll join me next week for chapter three, where we'll begin to look at that first territory of our heart, which is friendship. Until then, 
I will be praying that you all have your own burning bush moments, that you'll have opportunities to be able to listen for God's voice and to hear it and to know what your first step is going to be in your journey out of fear.